Good morning, church. So after raising or having a part in raising five children, uh, three of which are biological, two of which are just inherited, I guess one could say, I thought I'd seen it all and I thought I had experienced it all, but I have found a new sports experience. And it's one that made me feel like the worst parent ever. For the last two weeks, the last two Saturdays, I have been out and watching my son play the sport of rugby. And I am thoroughly convinced that my allowing my son to play rugby makes me the worst parent ever. Um, and, And I figured that out after the, I believe, fourth time the ambulance and the paramedics visited the soccer field at Park Hill South yesterday afternoon. Had a broken foot, a broken jaw. Uh, I think one boy hurt his knee and another boy hurt his back. And so midway through the third game, I think we watched Preston, my youngest, looks at me and, and I'm watching Dalton, our middle son, play. And Preston says, Dad, can I play rugby when I get in high school? And I said, Lord, no. Lord, no. And if I would have known what this was, your brother wouldn't be out there. So um, I say that to say this. While watching this, I had to try to wrap myself around some sort of spiritual experience. So here goes. In rugby, there's something they call a scrum. And those of you who may be familiar with the sport know that the scrum is where about 10 players from each team come together with their heads locked together in a bent over position and their arms locked together. And one player from one of the teams throws a ball Underneath this scrum, underneath this huddle of people, and they use their feet to try to kick the ball out the back end of the scrum so that then the ball can be advanced down the field. And here's my thought. The two teams battling against one another head to head is good and evil. And the ball being thrown is the souls of the living. And that's a battle that takes place for every living soul. And what we want to do is we want to win that battle and advance souls to the promised resurrection. And that's what I want to tie to our lesson today as we talk a little bit about the death, burial and resurrection. We continue on our journey through 1 Corinthians 15. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to take a look at our text this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19. This is what the word of the Lord says. But but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, We are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised, I'm sorry, let me back up more than that. In verse 15, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if if in fact the dead are not raised, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. 
And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. You know, without being united under the headship of Christ, we can't participate in his life. Salvation cannot be realized outside of Christ. What I want us to to hear today, what what one of the things I want to establish today is that until we experience some of what Christ experienced, we can't experience salvation as well. Think about the baptism for just a moment, the death in the water, the depth of the water and the closure to life, the burial that Christ experienced symbolically and then raising up out of the water, the resurrection and then it goes beyond raising up out of the water in the resurrection to the gift of the Holy Spirit being driven by God from within to live out the Christian life. This is this beautiful experience that Jesus experienced that we too can experience on our way to the perfect gift of salvation. Romans 6 and 4 through 8 says this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life for we have, if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. See, the, the, the wonderful, wonderful thing that takes place at baptism in that death and burial is that sin, our life of sin is dead and buried And when we come out, we come out a new life, sin free. It's the beauty of the resurrection that we teach in the gospel that bring people to that point away from the bondage of their sin. Do you follow me? We go back to last week when we learned about Paul and and his message of the gospel. But but here's the thing. That message is incomplete until we get to the point of resurrection. And it's there that we find the beautiful gift of. That God wants us to have Paul's purpose was to establish the reality of the resurrection against the Greek philosophy of his day. There was similar. This was similar to the struggle we face with materialists and Darwinists today would be a good illustration. Christianity as a whole has faced its its adversaries from generation to generation. Every generation of Christian has had to deal with some form of rejection of the gospel. You follow me so far? In other words, it's not unique to us to come across folks who reject the gospel. We see it in our we see it in our world every day. I use the illustration of the movie God's Not Dead. If you've seen that movie, you know that a a young girl walks into a college classroom and she's told from day one by an atheist professor that if she doesn't deny 
that, that God is dead. He's not alive. There's no existence of God that she's going to flunk the course no matter what. And so or this young man. And so this young man battles that and he proves it differently. That that battles no different than what's been faced from the very beginning. It goes all the way back to the point of Jesus. Jesus himself faced this struggle with the Sadducees. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And I'll read. I want to read just a portion of what the Sadducees says to, said to Jesus as they spoke to him. Matthew 22. And we're going to start reading in verse 23. The Bible says that that same day, the Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and to the third, right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now, then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given to marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now, first thing you do when you hear that story, is you feel sorry for that woman. OK, so girls, be careful when you're getting married. Make sure, you know. At least we don't have to deal with that in our culture, right? But beyond that, in this story, what Jesus faced were Sadducees who believed to be followers of God, who professed deep belief in God, but didn't believe in the resurrection and tried to make a mockery of Jesus's ministry like that. Again, folks, some of the same things that we can face in our culture each and every day. But the sad thing about the Sadducees, I hope you hear the pun, As you go all the way back to the Old Testament and you hear examples that were written in the Old Testament, they knew they should have known. Look at Job chapter 19 and verse 26. I'll bring it up for you. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. Job says in his story and in his journey, he acknowledges that beyond his flesh, he will see God. He will be resurrected. He will be with God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 17, 15, as for me, I will be vindicated and I will see your face when I will wake. I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. The, the idea of resurrection, the idea that there was life beyond the physical life was not something that wasn't taught. It was ignored. Brothers and sisters, that's the same thing we face today. I'll give you an illustration using two great Americans. Thomas Jefferson, who was our third president of the U.S., the United States, and he wrote the Declaration of Independence, was a deist. And one of the things he believed as a deist was he saw God as God presented himself in nature, but he didn't believe the miracles, the miraculous nature of God. So he, he actually took his Bible and cut everything out of his Bible that demonstrated the miraculous nature of God. He confined himself solely to Christ's ethical teachings. Now, now church, here's, here's something. If we study Jesus 
And that's the way we presented our life was just as 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 an ethical person. That's that's fine. That's all fine and well. And it would probably lend to a pretty good life here on earth if we lived that way. There would be some good things come of that. There would also be a lot of people, as the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15, that would look at you like you're a fool. Because you're not living out life to its fullest. Your life would be looked at as a life to be pitied, the Scripture said. Oh, goodness. The only thing that makes sense is moving that chair. The only thing that makes sense is if there's something beyond this life. Then the gospel makes sense. The resurrection helps the gospel to make sense. The consequence for there being no resurrection is that there is no salvation. If Christ cannot be risen, that it is impossible for mankind to rise as well. See, there was another deist that was a great American, and that was Benjamin Franklin. And he believed in what the deists believed, but he also believed in the resurrection. He wrote his own um, going away letter of sense when he died, and he wrote these words. I this the body of Benjamin Franklin printer. Lies here food for worms. But the work shall not be lost, for it will appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the author. See the difference in his faith and the faith of a man such as Thomas Jefferson was it went beyond the physical life. I want us today. To understand the importance of Christianity leading us past this physical life. I want us today to understand that the sacrifice made on the cross for our sins goes beyond death. In fact, it was sacrifice of life given for life. It was sacrifice of physical life given for eternal life. The understanding of a bigger Principle, a bigger goal. Watch this video. I hope this helps illustrate this point. Look, it's standard blood transfusion. We're going to take about two units from your daughter. We're going to put them into your son. I think it's going to give him a fighting chance. Right, we're hoping it's going to jumpstart his immune system. She has the antibodies. He does not. We've had great results doing this type of thing. Do you have any questions?
sacrifice for her brother. Everything. The same thing that Jesus was willing to sacrifice for all of us. Everything. But not so we could die. So that we could live. So that we could all live. Without that message, without the message of the resurrection, a lived life beyond physical life, Christianity makes no sense to live. Paul understood that. He wrote that in the first Corinthian letter. And it's, it's the message that we have to carry out today as Christians. Why do we live our Christian life? It's not to be good people. It's not, it's not, to, be, it's not to help the world around us. All those are products of it. It's to one day be reunited with God in heaven. We live and we sacrifice and we serve and we love so that we can live. And we can send a message of life to others. Such a key point to our living life as Christians. It is by the resurrection that Christ conquered the evils of sin, death, and hell. Offering that same victory to all those believe. The idea of defeating sin and death and hell should be a motivation for us to live out Christianity to its fullest. And that fullest means to deliver a message of life, to make the sacrifices just like the girl was willing to make for the life of others. I imagine it was a pretty good day when she found out she wasn't going to die. But here's the greater thing. Someone who loves like that little girl was loving in that chair, the outcome doesn't matter. Someone who loves like that is going to meet God no matter what. In a pleasant way. Someone who loves at that level that's willing to give that much so that others can live is in a pretty good place spiritually. A pretty good grip on the way God wants us to love, the same way Jesus loved. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 11 and 37 says, and listen to this, this is what he says about those who were living the Christian faith. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The Christian life, as the Hebrew writer saw it, wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. And that's just the truth. And that's why Paul writes, he says, look, if it's not for the resurrection, if it's not for eternal life, then you're going to live a life as a believer that, to be pitied. Everybody around here is going to look and say, why? Why would you do that? Why would you give that up? Why would you get up an hour early to make sure you got the church? Right? Why is it because God wants us to worship and love Him this way? It's important to us. 
Why would you just take your hard-earned money, the money that, that you earn, and set aside a portion of it with all your heart to give to others as the need presents itself? Why would you do that? For the hope of eternal life with God, because we're being obedient. Our desire is to one day be with God. Faith without hope in the resurrection is faith leading to life to be pitied. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4 and 14. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The Thessalonian letter says we believe because we want the hope of joining God. Revelation 14, 13, that I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, the spirit says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Why do you live out this life? To go to heaven. What a wonderful gift to be resurrected as Jesus was resurrected. I want us to remember these points this morning. Without the resurrection, there's no savior. Without the resurrection, there's no forgiveness. There's no gospel. There's no meaningful gospel. There's no eternal life. And there's no hope. There's no hope beyond the lifespan without the resurrection. Consider Christianity without the resurrection. You would preach, you would teach, you would suffer, you would sacrifice. You'd do all this work for an ending that was said in the letter by the great American to be worm dirt. Thank goodness our eternity goes beyond worm dirt. A Christian has no Savior but Christ, no Redeemer but Christ, and no Lord but Christ. All because of the resurrection. It's the resurrection that establishes all of those biblical people, all those biblical characteristics of our Savior, of our God, of our Christ. Consider the competition that would surround us as Christians if all this was about was doing good deeds. You can go into the mission field and find dozens of groups doing the same things that Christian missionaries do all over the world. You can go into the world and find you can go into the community and find community centers and and places of established that, that are doing good things. But they're not doing good things in the name of the Lord. And they're not doing good things following up with a message of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, this is why it's so important that when we work so hard out in the community to earn the right to share our voice, that we earn when we earn that right, that we take it and we share the gospel with it. That when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we give help to the poor, that when we earn that opportunity to lift our voice to them, that we share the gospel and that that gospel includes the hope of one day being resurrected with Jesus. Last week, 
we focused on an unlikely messenger of this gospel message, which included the resurrection this week. What I want you to take away is the importance of the resurrection to the message. That you can have as many unlikely messengers as you want. If the message doesn't make sense, if the message isn't true, then the message is going to mean nothing. The message of the resurrection has to make sense. Or Christianity is meaningless. It's a life to be pitied. It's worthless, as the Scripture says, as Paul, the writer, says to the, to the Corinthians. This morning I know that... The world doesn't think this is worthless. The world sees the power of God in it. And I know as Christians, we do as well. And if you're here this morning, I have to believe that you're looking for that power, that you're looking to grow deeper in that power. Maybe some of you need to connect with God's family. We offer this in this time as we stand and sing an invitation to come forward and present whatever's needed among you. Please come while we stand and sing.